Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. I was planning to turn gears this Sunday and God just kept bringing a word to me that honestly, I've preached before. And so... um, I kind of struggled with God all week about it, and God, I've already done that. And he said, well, number one, there's people that haven't heard it. And number two, the people that heard it didn't get all of it the first time they heard it. So I said, okay, we'll go there. And I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what we talked about last week. If you were with us last week, we kind of were diving into the subject of anxiety and our mindsets and how we, how we can keep our souls in check, how we can keep our mind, our will, and our emotions healthy, amen. Um, I believe that God is more interested in health than he is in growth because healthy things grow. And I think sometimes we've been trying to obtain a goal when it's really a byproduct. And, and growth is really a byproduct of healthiness. And if we will get ourselves healthy, live according to his word and get uh, the, the nutrients and the sustenance within us, uh, many times we are engaging in um, things that counteract our mentalities, continue to compromise our mentalities. And so we know that this idea and this thought and this issue of anxiety and anxiousness and worry is is very strong in our culture right now. And we kind of dealt with some of that last week. We understood that, you know, um, sometimes things aren't as bad as it seems or it sounds, amen. You know, the word, the, the, the enemy wants to bring a word and continue to bombard you with something that the impact of it is really driven by the resoundingness of it and not so much the impact of it. Does that make sense? That the, the, we hear it more so we think it's an issue when it's really not. One thing that is a problem in our country today and in our culture today is that the minority has the strongest voice. So that problems that the media wants to tell you are really issues are really not that big of an issue, but since it bombards the headlines and it's on your TV screens and it's on the, the devices that we carry around that feed us, then, then we think it's bigger than it really is. But at the end of the day, uh, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of other things that control how much something really concerns us. Is that, that's why uh, in Colossians chapter three, the Bible tells us, set your mind on things above. Why? Because where I set my mind is where I get fed from. Where I set my mind is where I get fed. So if I'm neglecting God's word, how can I expect to be healthy in my soul? Because the thing that I forfeit and the thing that I neglect is usually the thing that is starving in my life. And then when I need it to be a force for me, when I need the word of God to be coming up in my life, it doesn't because I neglected it previously. And so I thought I would take you to the word today and show you someone. In the last week, we kind of laid a foundation and then today I can build on that with an example 
of a man named Elijah, the prophet Elijah. You know, this was a mighty man of God and saw many miracles uh, performed and produced through his ministry, through his hands, uh, as he obeyed and served the Lord God. Um, but, you know, none of us are, um, uh, let's put it this way, all of us are susceptible to distress. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter your position or your status in life. It doesn't matter your, your, your social life. It doesn't matter uh, where you live. It doesn't matter what you've achieved or not achieved. Um, everyone is susceptible to anxiety and distress and worry beyond what the word of God says that we should uh, live according to in our lives. And so um, being in the ministry and being a man of God and, and even being used by God, we see a prophet here, Elijah, that uh, got to a very low point. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18, I'm just going to show you the end of this chapter. And um, Elijah is having to be a messenger of the Lord in a time uh, where the message of the Lord is not very well received. Um, we don't know anything about that because we come into our circles in here and we come into churches where, you know, we all love the Lord and love the word of God and, and nobody here is necessarily contradicting or, or, you know, opposing uh, the truth. Maybe you experience that in your workplace or maybe you have family members that, that uh, you know, aren't super excited that you live for God and don't want to hear about the stuff that you say. But, you know, a lot of Christians only open this book when we come in here, and so that means they're only opening the book or really getting into it or really getting into the word when they're surrounded by people that love the word. But here, the prophet Elijah uh, is living in a culture and a time uh, where the word is not popular and where they don't really want to hear uh, about the things of God. And so uh, specifically, King Ahab and his wife, the queen Jezebel, um, highly oppose God and want the entire nation to serve their gods uh, other than um, the, the God that prophet Elijah serves. And so they end up in this issue where Elijah says, I'm gonna prove to you that my God is the real God. And so uh, he says, King Ahab, you bring out all your prophets, prophets of Baal, their God, and, 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 and I'm gonna come out with my God. And what we're gonna do is we are going to uh, see whichever God lights this altar on fire. He takes them up to Mount Carmel and uh, there's an altar there. And so whichever uh, God lights the altar first, uh, then he's the one true real God. And so the prophets of Baal get out there and man, they're chanting, they're dancing, they're doing their thing to try to draw on their God. Nothing's happening. Altar is, is still as dry as it was when they started. And so, uh, you know, Elijah's, you know, uh, coming against them and making fun of them. And hey, where's your God at? Maybe he's too tired. Maybe he's too busy. Hey, maybe he's in the restroom, you know, uh, you know, maybe he's got something else going on. And so, uh, you know, this isn't working. So then Elijah gets out there and uh, in verse 38, let's start with verse 37. First Kings 18, verse 37 says, hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. 
Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. I mean, prophet Elijah went so far as to douse this thing in water, right? Because things that are wet are hard to catch on fire. And so uh, he's dousing this thing in water, and then he builds a trench around it full of water. I mean, doing everything to prove that this is done by God's hand alone. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. We got the desired result, right? Now everyone knows that God is God. Now everyone knows that God is the one true God and is going to serve him. Verse 40, and Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. Had those prophets, the prophets of Baal, put to death. And so we've just had this remarkable miracle. We've just had this astounding uh, opportunity where God has just shown himself strong. And, um, you know, our lives are full of valleys, uh, but then there's, there's mountaintops. And, you know, many times, you know, we, we see those victories and we see those miracles as the mountaintops. And man, we're doing great. Everything's going great. Everything's going awesome. And, and so I want you to know today that a message on anxiety and a message on distress is not just for those that are in distress and not just for those that are struggling or facing challenges or facing obstacles in life. This is a message that is for everybody, whether you're in the valley or on the mountaintop. Because we go into the next chapter, 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 1. 1 Kings 19 and verse 1. And Ahab King Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also had he, how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me. Notice the queen Jezebel is sending a messenger, a message, a, a note, if you will, to Elijah saying, may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And so now Elijah coming off of this great victory, the whole people, the whole countryside has seen this miracle performed, knows that God is the one true God, is, is, is waiting, uh, uh, you know, has been a participant of seeing God move. Elijah the prophet has had this great miracle take place in his ministry. But look at verse four. No, 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 verse three, verse three. And when he saw that, everyone say, saw that. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. Now, here's the question that I have to ask you. What did he see? I mean, it said that he sent a messenger, not a video, not a little animation skit of, you know, this is what it's gonna look like. When he, it should say, and when he heard that. But it doesn't say, and when he heard that, it says, and when he saw that. So what happened? He played in his mind an image of the threat the enemy gave. 
This is why your mind is the battlefield. The mind is the place where overcoming or defeating takes place. You are defeated uh, in your finances way before it actually shows up in your bank account because you get defeated in your mentality. You allow a threat that the enemy gives to become an image played in your mind. He reflected on it so much so that he saw it, that what he heard became what he saw. What he heard became what he saw. So notice this, first off, that sometimes our greatest challenges can come on the backs of our greatest victories. I'm telling you right now, you know, you, you think winning the lottery is going to solve the issue. You think getting a different husband is going to solve the issue. You think uh, 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 getting that promotion is going to, this is why external circumstances do not dictate. You can be on the back end of a miracle from God himself where there is no doubt that God moved and then the next day be running for your life. Because so many times we allow a threat from the enemy to become bigger than a promise from God. We cannot allow the threats of the enemy to become bigger than the promise from God. So this is why, you know, when the Israelites in Numbers chapter 13 got to the edge of the mountainside, got the edge of the uh, promised land, and then they sent in spies to spy out the promised land, that what they saw on the inside did not dictate the promise that God had already given them generations before. What they saw inside of the promised land, what they saw in Canaan land, giants or no giants, uh, 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 milk and honey or no milk and honey, a destitute land or a land full of wealth, it doesn't matter what they saw because what you see externally does not dictate God's promise internally. But see, anxiety creeps in and, and, and depression creeps in. Why? Not because God's promise has failed, because we, but because we failed to stay on God's promise. Because we failed to recount the past victory. We just sang a song. I've seen you move. You moved the mountains. And I believe you'll do it again. It's easy to sing, harder to live. Because it always happens, the next mountain seems greater than the one you just conquered. The next mountain seems greater than the one you just conquered. I was just with Pastor Chris climbing mountains this past week. Getting stuck on the side of a mountain in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, in a four-wheel Jeep. Because he, I, I, we, we pull up to the side of this thing, it's either go left into town or it's go right up this little mountainside. And we're not, we're not out in the boonies. We're like, you can walk across the street and there's Bass Pro Shop. So we're, we're right there. The pictures don't depict that at all. If you look on the other side of the mountain, there's everything right there at the bottom. So we're not like out stuck somewhere. But, but we get, you know, a quarter of the way up, not even that. And we're stuck. We're digging a hole. We are spinning our tires. Thank God Pastor Caleb was with us. Thank God Pastor Caleb was with us. He knows what he's doing in that stuff because I would have just gotten out and called an Uber. I said, I'll leave you right there on the side of this mountain. I'm getting an Uber, taxi, something's picking me up. and get, I'll call somebody else that I know that is here. I'll, I am not getting stuck on the side of a mountain in someone else's car. It probably shouldn't even be going up the thing in the first place. Who knows? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. With somebody else's toy. I don't care if it's, if it's somebody else's toy. I don't treat it like a toy. <clears throat> but that, that's Pastor Chris, you know. He's got to take his... It was a men's conference, so what is a men's conference without getting stuck on the side of a hill? <laughs> Four-wheeling. Oh, man. So, anyways, we, we got up, but then coming back down, we got stuck again. And coming back down was harder than going up. It was. We... Pastor, man, I, I thought we were going to stump Pastor Caleb with his four-wheel abilities, but he got us out. Thank God we nearly hit the side of the wall, and I'm not even going to go into everything, how many times we lost our life, almost lost our life. Or... Amen. <clears throat> so isn't it always that the mountain that's in front of you seems bigger than the one you just passed, but the one you just passed seemed like the biggest obstacle in your life when you were facing it? I've seen you move. You move. I just saw you bring fire out of the sky, burn up a drenched, you know, altar covered in water. All these people are doing exactly what a prophet's ministry is given to do. They're exclaiming, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he, that's what a prophet wants. When a prophet's ministry is in effect and when it's effective, the people will exclaim, the Lord, he is God. Just got the desired result. But this is the thing, is it's not the past victories that gets you through. It's God's faithfulness that gets you through. Because the next giant and the next trial and the next mountain and the next struggle will always seem bigger than what you just got out of. But the same God that got you through the last one can get you through the next one. Come on, I'm talking about overcoming anxiety. I'm talking about overcoming uh, uh, depression. I'm talking about getting out of, out of the, 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 the mentality because anxiety only takes place in your mind. You know, when people are anxious or people are worried, they usually make things out to be bigger than what they really are. You ever noticed that? Because it's a mentality. If you can make it bigger than it really is, guess what? You can make it smaller than it really is. If you can make your problem bigger, you can make your God bigger. It's all about where you put your effort. It's all about where you put your work. And so the same work that I use to, to, to conjure up how bad it's going to be, I can use that same energy to conjure up how good it's going to be. And so we came out of this, this miracle. God just showed how strong he is. But many times on the backside of a victory comes another challenge. So look what he does. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life, went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And look what he does. And left his servant there. You ever notice that when you get in, into anxiety or you get, you know, it, it, it's a, it, it really is a self-inclusive mentality and, and way of thinking. When you get that way, you start to abandon even the things that God has sent you to get you through the next thing. Isn't that incredible? That we start walking away from and neglecting and, and, and getting away. Many times when I'm anxious or worried, that's the, when I feel the least likely to read the word of God. Ever notice that? Anxiety, <clears throat> when I'm feeling worried, you know, when people try to tell me it's gonna be okay, I kind of bump up against that. I don't wanna hear about it. I want them to wallow in my 
pity and shame and how horrible it really is. I don't, you, but you don't know how bad it is. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't, you ever heard that from people that are anxious? It's because they are rejecting the very thing that God has given them to help them to get through the next season. He left his servant there. And so this is the thing about anxiety is it's usually the things that you don't feel like doing are the things that are gonna produce the greatest results. And so when you're in anxiety and when you're in worry, you're gonna read the Bible when you don't feel like it. You're gonna lift your hands when you don't want to. You're gonna shout with your voice and praise God and worship God when that's the last thing you wanna do because it's the things that you don't wanna do that are gonna help you get to the result that you wanna see. I mean, there's times I don't even, uh, I can say this, I can say this, that I don't even want to come to church because I got so much going on. I call one of these guys and say, you got it today. And it would only be not because I want to use their gift, but it would be because I don't want to be in the place where everyone's happy and everybody's worshiping because I know what it's going to do. It's going to force me out of my anxiety. And that's what worship does. That's what praise does. That's what being around other believers does. That's what being in the word of God does is it pushes you out of what you're in. But when you abandon it and you neglect it, then it can't produce the results in your life. He left his servant there. it's It's the friend that knows the most of the word that we don't call. Right? You'll share your depressing situation with everybody except for the ones that are going to tell you what you don't want to hear. Ever, I mean, come on. Is anybody agreeing with me today? You ever been there? I'm going to blast this on Facebook, but I'm going to hide it from the one because if they see this, I'm going to get a phone call. I'm going to get a text say, what are you doing? Why are you talking like that? What is your problem? You know better than that. You need to get in the word. I'll come over and I'll build you up. I don't want to be built up. I want to wallow in my pain. I'm not meeting you at Starbucks. I don't want to open the Bible. I don't want to hear about it. Come on. And we reject the very thing that will help us get us through. Verse four, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And you know what's interesting? He, he went to Beersheba, which is way further than Judah. It's amazing the extremes we'll go to when we're in these situations. It's amazing the directions we'll go. Counterproductive. And he came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed, watch this, that he might die. We're talking about a prophet of God. We're talking about 24 hours removed from seeing fire come out of the sky and blow up, burn up and alter. All the people are proclaiming the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. 24 hours later, he has removed himself from the the people that can help him. He's removed himself, brought, put himself into a situation where he's all by himself, all alone. And now he's telling God, I just want to die. The same God that just brought fire out of heaven, he's telling him, I just want to die. Talk about distress. And for obeying God. Come on, anyone ever been there? God, I did exactly what you told me to do. 
and I still lost the business. I did exactly what you told me to do, and they still walked away. I did exactly, I obeyed you to the T. Why am I in this situation? Well, we know that there's distress when you disobey God, but you know there's distress when you obey God. Still comes. And he prayed that he might die, and he said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Like God's gonna do that. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. This is the truth is that you cannot give away what you do not have. You cannot give away what you do not have. See, living an anxious free life, that's just the start, that's not the goal. God wants us to thrive in life, not survive in life. You know, there's a difference. Not just, well, I'm getting it done, God. I'm, you're going through the motions. I'm, I'm going to the job. You, you want me to stay here. You know, you haven't brought that promotion yet. You haven't opened up that other door, so I'm just gonna keep doing it. But that's not even good enough for God. That's still not even good enough. God is still saying, until you get the right heart, until you get the right attitude, until you learn to do it with passion, until you learn to do it as if that's the last thing you would ever do with your life, you're not where I want you to be. So many times we want God to just get us to the point where we can go through the motion. We want God to just get us to the point where we can finish the task regardless of what our heart is like on the inside. But God is saying, I'm not okay with just jobs getting done and assignments being fulfilled. I'm more concerned with where is your soul at? What What is your heart look like in the process of doing it? Look, any of us can, can get, through, get to the point of going through the motions. Even I, as a pastor, can just go through the motions week in and week out. Get a message, preach a message, give a message, get back next week, study for another message, get another message. And even I can do this without passion. Even I can do this without, uh, 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 you know, putting my heart and my soul into it. So, so many times we get in positions like Elijah where we're just asking God to to take our life and then we realize, okay, fine, you know, I'll keep doing it. But there's a whole nother level God wants to get us to. There's a whole nother passion. There's a whole nother uh, 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 level that God wants to uh, have us operate with his purpose and his plan. So he's saying, arise, eat. He looked, there was bread by his head. Go to verse seven. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time, touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank. And he went, he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave. Spent a night in that place. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Isn't that what you want to hear from God? What are you doing here? 
So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. Isn't that what we start doing? We always start with what we've already done, not with where we've fallen short, but where, what we've already accomplished. God, you, you know what I've done. You know what I've put into this. You know I've been very zealous for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. I mean, he's down there, man. He's in it. I'm the only one. Ever played that card? Ever played that card to God? Nobody else here cares. Nobody in this family cares. I'm the only one picking up. I'm the only one investing. I'm the only one putting it. Never done that with your job or with your work. Man, I'm the only one that shows up even caring. Why, do I, why should I even care? This stuff isn't even my responsibility. I'm covering for other people. They would get in trouble if I quit covering for them. And so you start playing this game with God, telling him, informing him of what you've done as if he has no idea. Oh, thank you for filling me in on, on that, Elijah. Thank you for letting me know where you've been the last six months. I, I didn't realize you did all, I didn't realize you were zealous for the Lord. I didn't realize they were killing the prophets. So it was when Elijah, no, no, verse 11, verse 11. Then he said, go out, stand on the mountain before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore into the mountains, broke the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped, uh, he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out, stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts, saying the same thing. Because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Look at verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Mahota. You shall anoint as prophet in your place. I thought he was the only one. See, maybe many times the reason why we feel like we're the only one is because we're not pouring into anybody else. What's the assignment? Notice he doesn't deny Elijah's remarks. He doesn't deny that they're killing the prophets. He doesn't deny that they're tearing down the altars. He doesn't deny that they're uh, rebuking the Lord God. He doesn't deny those things. He gives him an answer to those things. Many times the problems that you are uh, complaining about are the very reason why God has you in the position. He wants you to be an answer to the problem, not complain about the problem. And so what does he say? I'm hearing you. I hear you. I hear you feel like you're the only one, but you're the only one because you haven't anointed anybody else. So here's a king over here. Here's a king over here. And I've even got another prophet set up to take your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I, watch this, 
Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel. I wonder what God has stored up in reserve for you. I wonder what God has put away in a place that when it's needed, he can draw on it. I wonder what God has reserved, set aside for you and not just for you, but for his plan. See, God sees things on a much bigger level than we do. Sure, he's concerned about Elijah, but you know what God's really concerned about? His purpose, his kingdom. And so he says, you know what? I'm not hinging all of this on you, Elijah. In fact, what he's really saying is you're not that special. You're not that important. Meaning that the anxiety and the distress that you're feeling right now is because you have made your preference more important than God's purpose. Man, we get in trouble when we make our preference bigger than God's purpose. Because when our preference isn't met, then we feel like God's purpose hasn't been met. But God has been working on his purpose and his plan the whole time. And if we can get our preferences out of the way, then God can get his purpose accomplished through our lives. But many times the thing that is hindering God from accomplishing his will and his plan is not the devil, not the enemy, not people that don't care about God. It's our preferences. It's our plans. It's our stuff that we're trying to hold on to. And he's saying, if you can remove all that, I've got 7,000 and reserved in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Worship team, if you come. The victories in our lives, the overcoming, come on, we've all seen it. We've all seen God move to some degree, to some level. And I'm here to tell you today, he is not done Yet, God is still working. God is still moving. His purpose is bigger than our plans. His purpose is bigger than our preferences. And if we can deny self, if we can lay down and say, God, I know what I'm going through right now feels great, feels strong, feels like a struggle and a challenge, but I know that you're greater. I know that you're mightier. I know that you can keep on working and moving in my life. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. I want us to walk out of here encouraged. I want us to walk out of here knowing that God is able. I want us to leave this place today knowing that we serve a God that is greater than the challenge we're in. You serve a God that is greater than the distress you may feel. You serve a God that is greater than the anxiety you may feel. You serve a God that will do it again. You've seen the fire burn up. You've seen him work in your marriage. Oh, the thing that, that I was just talking with Pastor Earl just Friday about this. The thing as a pastor that so grieves you the most is seeing God work in someone's life, but then the next challenge comes and they default back to distress. That was from God. God is saying this morning, don't let distress be your default. Come on, some of us, we've got buttons. And when they get pushed, we find ourselves slumping right. It doesn't matter what God did. It doesn't matter how far we've come. It doesn't matter what we've seen him do. We fall right back into discouragement. 
we fall right back into distress. We fall right back into what about me? Woe is me. We fall right back into wondering if he can really come through. And for some of us, it's become our default. We automatically go there, maybe even without any intention. Maybe just the slightest pressure shows up and our mouth goes right back to complaining rather than rejoicing. Our habits go right back to going away from the word. I I see people, they come to church when everything's going great. But when a struggle hits, where are they at? Where have you been? To the point that God has to constantly move in a reactive way in our lives. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaith.austin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.